This is an ABC podcast. Hello there. My name is Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Hello. 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 Welcome to News Time, your weekly wrap-up of five news stories from right around the world. We are going to be covering a lot of ground and a lot of ocean this week, and I'm definitely going to need your help. What do you say, friends? Are you ready to set sail? Yes, we're ready. Uh-huh. We're ready. Aye, aye, my hearties. Let's do it. Story number five. This story begins in a place called Massachusetts in the United States of America with a small sailboat that ventured out across the wide blue sea. I've seen a sailboat sort of like a little one. Yeah, I've seen lots at the beach. Sometimes they have this big flag at the top. The wind pulls it along. Yep, and those big flags are called sails. Big sheets that catch the wind and push or pull the boat through the water. This little sailboat made quite a journey. It's just been found on a beach near Perth in Western Australia. And what do you think was hidden inside? Gold treasure. There was treasure hidden inside, but not the kind you're thinking of. This little sailboat was full of letters, all written by school kids from Massachusetts. Hmm, interesting. That's pretty cool. I would write, hello, what's your name? And I'll share my secrets. Well, the secret to this mystery is that this small sailboat was part of a project to learn more about the ocean, a project called Educational Passages. As part of this project, schools all around the world get special kits with all the parts you need to make a little sailboat. And every kit also has something called a GPS. GPS helps you not get lost, it um, tells you where you are. That's right, it's a small machine that sends out a signal and it could tell these students exactly where the boat was so they could follow it on the computer and learn all about the ocean's winds and currents, how the air and water carried this boat across the ocean. The students in the United States wanted to learn more about the Indian Ocean. That's the big bit of water between Africa and Australia. So they launched their boat from South Africa. It was out at sea for almost a year and a half before it landed in Western Australia. I wonder where it will travel to next. Hopefully France, because I live in France. Keep your eyes peeled. Okay, sailors, now this boat is transforming into a submarine. Let's dive down deep underwater to our next story. I'm a magical story number four. Morajuga is a beautiful part of the Pilbara Coast in northwestern Australia. It's famous for its beautiful indigenous rock carvings that are thousands of years old. And now, scientists have discovered the first ever underwater Aboriginal archaeological site. Wow, that's a mouthful to say. So let's break this down. An archaeological site is a place where really old objects can be found, objects from people who lived thousands of years before us. 
Maybe they might have carved some spears with sharp rocks and then we could find the sharp rocks that were still there. Exactly. Hundreds of hidden objects were found under the sea in two places off the Murajuga coast. Things like stone tools, spearheads and grinding stones. Can you guess how old they are? 50,000 years old. Oh, good guess. That's right. This underwater discovery shows that Indigenous people were living and working along this coastline tens of thousands of years ago. Australia's coast was pretty different back then. Those parts of the ocean floor were actually above the water. That means there are probably heaps more underwater sites just like this one all along the Australian coast. Yeah, I think loads of more things are out there. There are five different clans that make up the traditional custodians of Murujuga. The Naluma, the Yinjabandi, the Yabura, the Madudanara and the Wangutu people. They've all been working together to have Murujuga listed as a World Heritage Site. That means it can be protected and recognised as an important place in the world. OK, let's head on over to our next story. Story number three. This weekend, it's Nelson Mandela Day. I've heard of him, but I don't really know that much about him. Nelson Mandela was a man who spent his entire life fighting for equality. Equality means that we treat everyone fairly no matter who they are or where they're from. Nelson Mandela wanted everyone to be treated fairly. I think that's sort of good because some people aren't being treated fairly. It's not fair for them. They feel sad. Because everyone should be treated equal. He grew up in South Africa in a time that was very unfair. Rules were made that meant that black and brown and Asian South Africans, they weren't allowed to go to the same schools, live in the same places or eat in the same restaurants as white South Africans. Nelson Mandela fought against this racism because he knew that everyone deserved to be free and equal. People don't need to be treated that way, but you're just trying to change the law and that's sometimes a little bit hard because all sorts of people want to say, no, no, we're not changing the law, we're staying, keeping it this way. That's right. It can be hard to make big changes. Even though we know Nelson Mandela was doing the right thing, it was against the rules and the South African government put him in jail for a long time. But that didn't stop him. Nelson Mandela kept fighting for equality. After 27 long years, he was finally set free and he kept working hard to make his country a better place. He became the first black president of South Africa. Hooray, Nelson Mandela! He probably felt like really happy because say something broke and you tried really, really hard to fix it and then you finally fix it. it you felt happy because like you finally achieved it. He must be proud of himself. There must have been a lot of work. Mandela Day reminds us that even just one person can make a big difference. So, no matter who you are or where you live, you can change the world. Very good. I like these podcasts. <laughs> All right, where to next? Story number two. 
Do you know what a paleontologist is? Someone who finds fossils. To find bones and put, try to find the other bones, put them in museums and put them together. Exactly. And this story is about Julian the paleontologist, who made a big fossil discovery. This fossil wasn't found in the desert or buried in sand or hiding deep underground. This fossil was buried in dust, forgotten about in an old drawer in the Museum of Natural History in New York. They found like a big bone or something? A bird maybe? Woolly mammoth? Good guesses, but no, this mysterious fossil bone belonged to an ancient, giant wombat. Oh my gosh, I would never have guessed that. It's called Mukupirna and it lived 25 million years ago in Katitanda in South Australia. And it's not really a wombat, it's an ancient ancestor of a wombat. It's like a cousin, but from before you, a long time ago. Yep, an ancestor is like a family member from a long time ago. So Mukupirna is a bit like the great, 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 great cousin of today's wombats. Wombats are cute little creatures that have some claws for digging in the ground. Well, that is true about the wombats that we know about. They're fat and round and dig burrows with their claws and they've got strong teeth to chew on tough grass. But Mukupirna hadn't evolved those body parts yet. It wasn't a very good digger and its teeth, they were better for softer and less chewy plants. And the biggest difference of all, Mukupirna was about the size of a sheep. This is a pretty groovy evolutionary discovery. And it might have been missed if Julian hadn't been digging around in those dusty old drawers. OK, that is just really cool. Can't believe you found them by accident. That's just crazy. I love it. So very cool. All right, now let's move the clock forward 25 million years because we are up to our last story. Story number super one. Doo -doo 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 -doo. This story is about a reptile park and zoo in a place called Childers in Queensland. Because they live in a zoo, these animals are used to having lots of humans around. But since March, the zoo hasn't had many visitors because people have had to stay at home to stop the spread of the coronavirus. That means the zoo's been a lot quieter. How do you think the animals have felt about all that extra alone time? Really sad. They might have like a little bit of people as company. Like, I want to see some people, but where's the people? I don't know what's happening. But for some animals that they don't like being seen, that's good for them. Well, yes. The zookeepers have said that some animals have been calmer and more relaxed, like the snakes. Oh yeah, because usually snakes are like a bit scared of people. The crocodiles have been cranky. Maybe they're angry. I want to see the people. And there was one group of animals that's really missed the company. Penguins? Wombat? Meerkats? Because they like big seed. Yes, the meerkats. 
Meerkats are small mammals from southern Africa, and they're very social creatures. They like to hang out in big groups, and they don't like being on their own very much. I think they're kind of cute. My dad really likes them. I like them too. They're such busy little creatures, and I'm happy to report that they seem much busier now that the zoo has reopened. And that's it, my friends. We've reached the end of our countdown. Thank you so much for all your help this week. I'm off to find some new stories for next week. Bye, Ruby. See you later. Bye, Ruby. See you next time. See you later.